So I want to begin uh, by taking refuge. I take refuge in the Buddha. I take refuge in Dharma. I take refuge in Sangha. Last week, I spoke primarily about um, primary vows. Um, the what I would think of it as like the what I'm living for, no matter what conditions arise, whether we're in a natural disaster or sick with the flu or in a job that we don't like but need or living in what's a reality for a lot of us, right? Like living in a society that feels toxic or misaligned with our values uh, in a world on the brink of climate collapse. Like what vows matter? What vows matter? What, what is our life about? That's true in any situation, no matter what conditions come and go or change. So another way of asking that question, which this isn't a, necessarily a simple question, but like it's the heart of perhaps what you know, what we live for, what we practice for, what, what life is about. And sometimes we don't like allow ourselves to go there. Um, and our lives are like kind of more like just the responding to the everyday circumstances, but practice like a practice like Zazen or meditation or Dharma is an invitation to go there, at least go there sometimes. So these are questions of how do I want to show up for my life, for myself, for my loved ones, for the world. And today I want to build a little more on this concept of primary vow. So the primary vow again is the foundation of our lives, the foundation of our vows, the foundation of our actions. Sometimes when we start talking about life purpose, we start to get very quickly into the doing, like, oh, I need to do something, or the anxiety around, I need to do something. But this, this, like laying down the foundation and continuing to come back to the foundation, just so much like what we practice in Zazen is like coming back, coming back, like the layers of, of thought and reactivity and restlessness and all the things of body, heart and mind that happen through the day, like pile up. And then we come to practice, we come to zazen, we come to meditation, and we come back. We come back to the ground. And this is similar with, with vowing. <laughs> like we can, you know, kind of get tangled up in what is my purpose, and this is what happened at work, and do I feel aligned with my coworkers, and kind of all the complications of living a human life with intention. And then you know, Zazen or this practice of, of clarifying vow is like coming back to the heart of it, coming back to like the heart's deepest intention or aspiration or the, the primary vow. So it's the foundation of our lives and it might be closely related and sometimes difficult to articulate in words, but closely related to the, the why we practice. Maybe it's a deep longing or a devotion or an interest you may feel for freedom or authenticity or joy 
or peace or ease or creativity or love or play or connection. Like, there's, there's so many words that we can try to approximate the why of why we practice. Or it may be closely related to some of the things that you, directions or choices that you made in your life that you had confidence in in the time that you were making it. So it might be closely related to why you chose to have a child or to create art um, or to pursue a certain hobby or to pursue a certain career. Usually these qualities can, the under, underneath, if we trace back our actions or trace back our decisions to more closely to the, the pure motive, of course there are lots of motives that take us on any journey or into any decision, but if we trace it back to like the pure motive, um, we, we touch into qualities of our true nature. So those qualities of freedom, authenticity, joy, peace, ease, creativity, love, play, those are all aspects of the nature of mind or the nature of experience or our true nature, the natural state. Uh, the heart of who we are. So our our primary vows often have some connection to the natural state of being, which is very interesting. So next I want to talk a little bit more about you know practicing with this question of what is my life purpose or what is my 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 vow or what is my um, life direction? Often when we ask a question like that, maybe outside of the context of, of practice, we again can get caught up in, in the doing or the, the kind of blankness that maybe arises or the, all the voices that arise when we contemplate a question like that or the, the inner conflicts that arise when we contemplate a question like that or the sense of longing that arises when we contemplate a question like that. Um, but, and, <laughs> and Dharma practice invites us to, to look at some of the assumptions that we're making with something like life, my life purpose, because that can get, the ego can get very involved in that. And uh, some of the assumptions and beliefs that we've inherited or taken up um, from our society can get involved with that. And because we live in this kind of very like, neo-capitalist like very individualistic competitive culture like that this this question of life purpose our life vow can can sometimes become conflated with uh, some of those beliefs thoughts patterning that we have inherited or you know or, or it's just like deeply in our psyches uh, so so to bring practice, to bring the spirit of koan to this question, we can look at each of the words or some of the stronger words in, in, a, in a question like, what is my, let's take, what is my life's purpose? His words carry meaning, they carry assumptions, they create worlds, they come from histories of domination or at least separation. So with any koan, and this is something Chosen Roshi taught me when I first started koan practice. She was like, every word is important, or there are like, you know, a few very important words in in a koan, and and we need to take those up and really consider them. So 
the important words in this koan. You could say what is an important, always an important word in, in Dharma. It's always good to be asking that what. Um, but another important word in this is my. Right? Somebody asked last week, like, who am I? Who are we as humans? This is really an essential question in Dharma, one that we don't um, move on from. Like we live, we live with a sense of self. We live with um, the self-referential mechanism of continuing to refer to sensations, thoughts, emotions as mine, I, mine. And so in Dharma, we inquire into, well, what is, what is the self? Who, who am I? And this is an inquiry to really appreciate like the all of who we are or, or the who we are that is beyond um, just the sensations in our bodies. Like we're more than our bodies in, in the Dharma. Um, we can experience ourselves and, and the, the teachings point to uh, an inquiry into and investigation of we are more than our bodies were more than our thoughts, were more than our fleeting feelings and desires. When we look for a solid, enduring being here, we find, and you can, you can feel into this right now, when we look for a solid, enduring being here, we find body sensations that pulse in and out, that come and go that move and shimmer, thoughts that we can't grasp a hold of. Even when they're on repeat, they slip, they slip. Um, mercurial feelings that, that morph and change. And, and perhaps an, an absence or, or a spaciousness or a sense of awareness has a quality of space or stillness or quiet. In, in non-duality, they look directly at that, I, that sense of I am. And the I am that is ageless. Right? Rupert Spira has this whole book he recently um, came out with, which are meditations on being myself. And he really points to that even before our sense of self as body sensation or as thought or as memory, we have this sense of I am-ness or awareness that doesn't belong to the body, that's prior to the body, that actually Perhaps you could even say our bodies arise in that sense of I amness. And that sense of I amness is, is ageless, but it's our most intimate experience. And so it's an intimation, it's an entrance to what we talk about in Dharma as that which does not die, that was never born, but is deeply intimate to us and is, is free, is spacious, is aware, is that We've talked about this on Monday nights before, the spacious awareness that is, is loving in the sense that holds everything, contains everything, allows everything. And so we can know that and, and come to recognize that more and more as, 
as who I am. And then there's, you know, the unique body, heart, mind that also manifests moment to moment, every moment a little bit different, that's quirky, that has its worries and its um, concerns and its anxieties, but that that emerges in that sense of that bigger holding of I am, the I am that doesn't belong to me, Kisei, me, Jen, me, Olivia, but belongs to, is, all of us. So this in, inquiry into I am is, is not to like get us completely off track of like having a unique body, mind, heart with unique talents that may have a direction that their life wants to move into, but it's also a way of holding, holding ourselves and returning to, um, a, you know, a deeper refuge of, of self. Contemplating I or me, we can also connect with a sense of personhood. This is uh, a word um, that Chogyong Chongpa used to use, and I learned about it actually through um, a Hokomi training that I was doing where they really emphasize like the personhood of uh, the therapist or you know the person who is um, developing the skill. And that's also something we can come to appreciate in, in Dharma is our own sense of, of personhood, our sense of I am from the big I am to our sense of who we are um, that's beyond our self-criticism and our self-aggrandizement. And we can appreciate like the capacities that we have and the talents that move through us, as well as our limitations. So it's like the ability to inhabit our, our own skin, feel our own feelings, be embodied, live ethically, live relationally with ourselves and others. So that's something else that we're cultivating in in dharma practice so we're cultivating this ability to recognize like if the big i am or um, the spaciousness of of who we are and also we're cultivating we're cultivating this person this human uh, and we're meeting them where they're at and knowing and and being able to rest in that that bigger sense of i am we can hold this being that we are, this human that we are, with with the body that we have, with the mind that we have, with more with more compassion and understanding and a grace. So we could talk about that my for a long time and we can investigate that my for a long time, but let's move on now to life. Because that's another um, word in this koan of what is my life purpose and this question of what is life you know something is it's an assumption that sometimes we don't question just kind of take it for granted and this question is simple and profound but it's an invitation not to see our life as contracted into a tiny dot of I, me, mine, my concerns. But to 
to sense into, well, what is my experience of life right now in this moment? How do I know I'm alive? Life, you could say perhaps that's our most intimate experience, our constant, the ground, an experience of all we know, love, cherish. And life, as we can come to see in, in Dharma practice, is a network of interrelations that include the planet, that include the cosmos, that include our loved ones and all human beings throughout time, that include the other than human world. We're a network of relations. We rely on each other. There's this image uh, that they use in um, the Theravatan tradition of of three sticks leaning against each other to talk about interconnectedness. That if you take away one of those sticks, like they all fall down, and it's actually pretty hard to balance three sticks, but you can do it, or at least they could in the Buddhist time. Um, but he would use, yeah, the Buddha would use this analogy of like interconnection as this coming together, like we're, we're all leaning on each other. And if you take one thing out, then and nothing else can exist in the way that it exists. And you can, you, can, you can really like bring that down to a microscopic level. You can zoom that out. Like every, every experience that we have is reliant on so many other beings, so many other causes and conditions, often incalculable. Chosen Rishi has this exercise that she would do of like taking a single piece of food and trying to trace it back to all of the, the hands and life energy that went into bringing that single piece of food to your, to your plate. And, and it's just it's sometimes incalculable to how, to how to factor in all of the causes and conditions. Like if you, she would often use a raisin. You know, if you take something that is, is grown on the earth and you have the earth and you have the sky and you have the weather conditions and um, the soil and all of the beings that live in the soil. Yeah. And it can go on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> so the, in, the invitation, when we think about life to when we think about my life, to remember that our life is a network. We are interwoven with other lives. And then we come to purpose. The what am I doing here? Someone asked yesterday, what are, or last week, what are we doing here? Who are we as human beings and what are we doing here? What am I doing here? What are we doing here? We live in a greater mythos and it's helpful to notice what are the stories that we tell about ourselves and our situation what are the stories we tell about our culture or our culture tells us about who we are like I said like this neo-capitalist America hyper-individualistic competitive worlds society that we live in those can really pull us out of our network of being who we are and into um, this kind of dream, <laughs> this dream of society, this dream of societal pressures. But who are we? Who are we and what are we doing here? 
to consider these questions, you could say perhaps invites mystery, perhaps disrupts narratives of domination and competition, perhaps subverts the ladders of progress and individual success. To consider purpose is to really open up to the mystery of who we are, to carry a vision and offering beyond ourselves and our offspring, but perhaps one that honors our global connections, our interrelations, that sees ourselves as perhaps seeding something for future generations, or perhaps sees ourselves and our generation as part of a process as a compost heap, which many thinkers like Bayoa Kamalafe and Sophie Strand are inviting us to, to think about. Like, what if, I mean, that's true of every generation, right? Like, no generation gets to like live forever, so doesn't get to see the results of, you know, some of the things that they put into motion. And so same with us, right? We, we are, living compost <laughs> like our ideas our thoughts our actions are they live on and so what are we what are we seeding or what are we composting in this life i i recognize also when we think of purpose or ourselves or life we often think of it as a linear process of growth as if there were one thing that we should do and we must find it and then do it and to invite these questions and inquiries into who we are and what we are also invites us to see ourselves as mandalic as composed of various impulses talents gifts purposes perhaps vows creativities parts and so you know, our life and what we call our life, sometimes when we think of purpose, we can get really honed in on career or what we do for money. And that might not be the only way that your purpose um, is lived into. It might be lived into in all these different facets of your life. And sometimes like relationship might be the place where there's the most energy or sometimes it it is your job that has the most energy or sometimes it's this creative project that you're pouring life and energy into that may seem seemingly small in terms of hours of the day but like holds deep meaning and uh, is sustaining you and is is an offering so to consider purpose and vow now here in this moment in time we are considering it in the midst of great uncertainty. We may find ourselves in roles and careers that maybe we entered because we were motivated to help others or to make a difference, but due to the systems of toxicity in our, in our society, we are in the institutions we work inside, we may struggle to find the meaning that used to be there or we thought would be there or the connection to the vow that got us started on that path or we may even doubt that we're helping at all which is a true reality in many different career paths so for many of us like the question is well what what can we do what can i do 
There's a commentary to a koan that I appreciate, but it's a little unsettling. It's when nothing will do, what do you do? When nothing will do, what do you do? And this, you know, this question the commenter says is really the heart of all koans. It's like that's actually the place that we're sitting in when we take up these big questions like who am I or what is my life's purpose or what is purpose or what is life or however you articulate them we're, we're, we're sitting in that sense of like the old ways of understanding myself and reality and the world just are falling short <laughs> are not true in the way that I maybe used to think they are. I can't believe them. And so those won't do it anymore, but what will? Like that hasn't been birthed yet. There's, there's this don't knowing, there's this not knowing, there's this opening to the mystery and there's uncertainty there. Like, will I make it to see the other? side? Will I make it to see another way? Is it even possible? I've um, been reading Bio Kumalafe and one of his like kind of famous quotes right now is, when the times are urgent, slow down. When the times are urgent, slow down. And it's another you know, in Zen, we, we know how to do that. <laughs> and so to let ourselves do that, even with the places that feel urgent. And because sometimes our narratives about the way things are prevent us from seeing what's actually happening moment to moment, but we actually have to, to slow down to see what the narrative is that we're putting on top of. You know, I'm using this language like toxic society and capitalist competitiveness and we can like you see the world through that those eyes or see our life through those eyes or see our jobs through those eyes and we might actually you know it might be helpful to name it sometimes it can like validate parts of ourselves that are like this is hard this is not healthy but it also can sometimes prevent us from seeing what else is happening because we're seeing it through these eyes of judgment or we're seeing it through these eyes of like oh this is unworkable like everyone else needs to change and then it will be workable but it's like wait 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 like what if we slow down and see like what's happening moment to moment how's my heart doing what am i living into did neo-capitalist society take my vows away no they can't and so you know to slow down we can reconnect with ourselves and what's actually happening in this moment. And sometimes that means like feeling the heartbreak that maybe we've been trying to avoid feeling or feeling the brokenness, the brokenness of an institution that you love or a relationship or the world or feeling anger or feeling fear that we carry or grief or deep sadness. And here's a quote from Bio Kumalafe. Slowing down is thus about lingering, lingering in the places 
we are not used to. Seeking out new questions, becoming accountable to more than what rests on the surface, seeking roots, slowing down is taking care of ghosts, hugging monsters, sharing silence, embracing the weird. And slowing down, this is me now, slowing down is one of my favorite aspects of awareness practice. Because to slow down, we disrupt the momentum of habits of reactivity, habits of busyness, of habits of numbing and anxiety, which often fuel our sense of not knowing what to do or often hide or are a way of trying to escape uh, discomfort. So to slow down, we can actually be inside ourselves inside our life, inside our questions, inside the mystery. To slow down can also allow us to see what's happening inside of us moment to moment, to see possible places our vows can function in what seems like unworkable situations, to find moments of nourishment and opportunities for intimacy and compassion, presence, radical honesty, love, right here in this relationship, in this work situation, in this grief, in this heartache. What would it look like to practice slowing down when it feels most urgent? Perhaps it would allow new questions, the shedding of fixed beliefs, the opening to imagination or new connections in places that seemed impossible. So I want to end there. I didn't get to everything that I was going to share today, but I'll just move that over to next week. So next week, what we'll talk about is um, exploring this exercise of a high dream, like, like just letting the dreamer dream, which sometimes can be hard to do. So it's like a more practical way of like really kind of now getting to life purpose now that we've done a lot of like the groundwork and the reframing and the um, the, the context for which vows can emerge. Uh, so if you want to try that at home, um, it's a practice of just like allowing like the dreamer to just, if you could do anything, what would you do? What is your vision for the world, for your work, for your relationships, for your family? And just like letting the dreamer express uncensored there might be parts in there that are like no you can't do that what about money you know and then it just shuts down the dreamer and then the dreamer is like i can dream about um nothing really because <laughs> you keep suppressing me <laughs> and so like the imagination doesn't have the freedom to like play and to express and to make connections where there maybe um aren't usually connections so that's something if you'd like to do you can do i i did it as an example and I, I was looking at personal relationships collective and I wrote personal and I was like, what you, could you do if you could do anything? And I just wrote, I could paint, I would paint. And I was like, oh, that's like a part of me that really needed to, to say that, like maybe a little undernourished part. So sometimes this kind of exercise also just can reveal, um, maybe reveal something that we don't usually pay attention to um, that maybe is like a superpower that we have or something that like what if you nourished that even like 20 minutes a day what would happen 
Great. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. And um, it's called the high dream and the low dream. So first you do the high dream, and then I'll talk more about what the low dream is uh, next week. Um, yeah, so curious if any discussion wants to happen, anything you're thinking about in this realm of life purpose, maybe specifically if, if there is specifically like around um, anything I talked about today and then, and then we can open to like just any thoughts you're having. <laughs> 